Hello and welcome to the Private Practice Made Perfect podcast. I'm Cathy Love. I started life as an OT, had a, an amazing, crazy private practice which I sold. And what I do now is help allied health business owners create a business that serves them, the time, the money, the joy that they absolutely deserve. And this is where my idea for the podcast started. What I want to do is to capture how hard allied health business owners in Australia work to achieve their dreams, to support their teams, to create amazing outcomes for their clients. So sit back, beverage of choice, drive safely, walk carefully, however you're listening in, and I hope you absolutely enjoy Radio, we have another supersonic guest for your listening ears today on the podcast. Trish Lurk is uh, sitting in front of me. Welcome. Thank you so much, Kathy. It's an honor to be asked and invited. Well, everyone has a business story and a story to tell, and this is what we're kind of setting out to, to capture. So how would you introduce yourself to a room full of people? I would say I'm bubbly, passionate, deeply convicted about my business, Planted Parenting, and I'm an occupational therapist by trade, but a mother by nature, and that collaboratively helps me to be a fabulous clinician for any person that walks through our doors at Planted Parenting. Do you introduce yourself as the director of? No, actually, no, I don't, I don't, do you know what, yes, with great title comes great responsibility, but I introduce myself as Trish and I get down on a child's level and say, you can call me Trishy if you want to. And we play and there is a play invitation and I work on creating warmth for parents and that's where I start. It's not about a title at all for me. I find that I have different introductions depending on the room that I'm in, in a way. And oh. they're a variation on a theme, you know. Um, but I'm I'm often um I'm often just curious. You know, I remember going to a conference event type thing a few years ago, and there were people there that I really wanted to meet. And so, you know, I did the hustle, did the kind of the stealth moves through the crowd and I you know went up and sort of said hello and um someone else came and joined and um introduced themselves just as I won't use their name you know hi I'm Susie I'm a speechy and I'm thinking oh my god you, you're not yes no <laughs> and it was just such an interesting moment that the yeah moment wasn't captured and taken if you like to kind of introduce themselves as the such and such of the such and such of the such and such totally fascinates me day after day I think you're so right you touched on a point Kathy that really resonated with me I do change how I introduce myself depending on the room full of people. Absolutely. If I'm in a room full of clinicians that are probably business owners, I would introduce myself with pride as the director of my business, as a visionary, as someone that's pioneering in the field and absolutely would own that, um, own it graciously, of course, and with humility. But, um, but yeah, I am proud of my business and, of course, I want to name drop it. Of course, I want to share about it because it's my passion point yeah yeah so uh tell us tell us about planted parenting take us back to that moment that you thought hell yeah I'm doing this 
Well, it was just as the pandemic was taking flight in terms of lockdowns happening, in terms of squirrelling toilet paper and wine and things from Kmart to entertain our children. It was right at that point that I realised I had a referral list that was growing and I was juggling two other positions at other private practices as lead clinicians and I just thought, Jeepers, I, I can't work an 80-hour week anymore, Kathy. I can't do that. I'm Good. spread thin. I've got, I've got a family. I've got two young kids. At the time, I had a partner and I just thought, this is messed up. I need to reevaluate. And I went down to one private practice that I worked at as a, as a worker, as an employee, and I then upped my time with Planted Parenting. And then after about three weeks, I realised after signing that contract, that I would need to actually go full-time with my business because I kept getting calls and referrals. And I just thought, well, if I can do my own vision full-time, why wouldn't I? Why would I invest into somebody else's business with my business savvy brain? Why would I do that when I could actually be rocket fueling my own business? And that's where Planted Parenting went full-time. And that was, yeah, June 2020, start of the pandemic. Ugh, let's not in reflect Melbourne. on that too much. In Melbourne, yes, in thank Melbourne. you. In Melbourne, just keeping that little thing in. Yeah, I know that was a. It was a circus. Let's just say that. Yeah, yeah. Delete file. Yeah. Uh, tell us about the name. Like, what's what's with the planted parenting bit? Well, not to be confused for Planned Parenthood, which I'm sometimes tagged in on Instagram. Um, we are not an abortion clinic or a family planning clinic. Um, Planted Parenting was actually a name drop that came to me in the middle of the night in the silence of the world where I had stillness to think and I thought there are so many businesses out there with a fun name and I could have chosen a fun name, Kathy. my goodness, I could have chosen something that would appeal to children that they would be like, I go here on Sunday or Saturdays or I go here after school but I actually wanted to specifically target the parents with the name of my business. I wanted parents to understand that there would be buy-in from their part in the journey of occupational therapy for their family, not just a dump and run for their child, that there would be involvement from them, engagement from them, because 90%, and I'm just making up that figure, but from my experience, 90% of the challenges that are experienced with children often start with the way that we are parenting our children. And I wanted parents to be intent about their parenting and I've got a tree logo that's got a root system and I want parents to be deep rooted in their parenting strategies and intentional Catholic intention was something that just kept dropping into my spirit about parents being intentional about their way they're doing it not just playing whack-a-mole on a day-to-day basis with issues that pop up and going oh what does the next mummy blog say about that behavior what does the next mummy blog say about when my child does this after school, I wanted it to be evidence-based. I wanted it to enrich parents' lives and actually make them stop and think and go, how could I do this and transform the way that the dynamic in my home is to be a more positive one? Yeah. You touch on a concept that I know you're familiar with, and that is about brand. And we talk with our members about the business brand and personal brand and program brand. How do you drive this concept of planted as a brand through all that you do from a business sense? 
From a business sense, I would rather have a bad vacancy than a bad hire in terms of people that align with the vision of planted parenting. So when I'm recruiting, I am fussy and I'm not embarrassed to say that by any means, Kathy. I want I would like employees that actually resonate with transformational change for their families. I want that they work with. I want parents to um, feel comfortable with every clinician that I have hired and actually know full well that I would happily send my children, my very own children that are very dear to me, to any one of my clinicians for therapy. And that is something that is so important to me. And so that trust that I have with my client base already then transfers to when word of mouth activates, which is my primary source of referrals. And that word of mouth is Trish is awesome, but not just her, her team is just like her in the, in the vision, in authenticity, in inclusion, in neuroaffirming practice. That That is something that transfers with our word of mouth and that's something I'm super proud of. And so I'd rather wait for the just right fit rather than just recruiting like a cowgirl. Yeah, yeah. So your business is nearly three years old if I do the uh, COVID maths. Uh, we have a a bit of a giggle uh, in our family in that the COVID years were like dog years. So um, you're about to turn 21. (laughs) Yes, I feel that. I feel like I've just been through the teen years. I tell you what. (laughs) So you teamed up really quite quickly. What what, uh, drove your decisions around recruiting and bringing people in? I'm very much a believer in the right people will present themselves at the right time. And so while I might have an ad sitting on seek, I'm a firm believer that the right person will make themselves known to me when the timing is right. And I walked into the cafe next door, Kathy, and there was an OT student working behind the counter and the boss of the facility next door said, hey, Trish, I think you need to meet this guy. He's an OT student. I think he'd be great. And I said, hey, nice to meet you. You want to do an interview in five minutes? And he said, yes. And we sat down. We had a chat. It was candid. It was funny. And that's my style, Kathy. I'm not formal by any means when it comes to that stuff. I want to know whether someone's going to fit in our culture and the culture that I'm cultivating. And so we had a great chat. We talked about favourite pizza toppings, what we do on the weekend. We talked about, you know, work-life balance and and hobbies. And then I said, yeah, I think this is going to be a good fit. I'll slap your contract over email. Come sign it. Come join me. Let's go on a journey. And I'm going to enrich your journey as a clinician as you build towards being a qualified OT. And that was my first hire, Kathy. Easy peasy. And you hired a clinician before you hired some customer service support? Oh, that's a good question. I actually hired my Um, personal assistant slash practice manager first. Obviously, um, if I'm bogged down in the admin of sending invoices and returning phone calls from web inquiries, my time isn't best used. So I found a very trusted individual to come on board with me in the very early days in the March and we went full-time in the June. So um, yeah, I had her on board to begin with. Um, We didn't have any processes. We didn't have any procedures. I didn't have things written up on how policies on how I wanted to do things. We nutted that out together. She didn't even have a proper contract until mid-year, to be honest. Um, It was a trust relationship to start with. I paid her, don't worry. Um, And then we grew from there and then obviously formalised some of those processes. Pretty much every business owner who says, we have no systems, when I ask the next few questions, 
Oh, yeah, yeah. We've got systems. They're just trapped in, you know, synaptic <laughs> junctions somewhere in a brain box nearby. Um, rarely is a uh, an emerging allied health business so chaotic that there is no systematic thinking. I think the nature of being an allied health professional pretty much means you've got some logical kind of flow going on. Oh, that would have been fun. That would have been fun. It it 100% was. And you know what? Talking about things being trapped in synapses, that is entirely my brain. It is like a traffic jam of all kinds of exciting wonders. And if I could download my brain onto a USB or whatever onto a cloud and then actually look at it, I think I would get really excited about how much opportunity is out there for me to tap into in terms of my business well, that technology already exists, so be careful what you wish for. <laughs> have, have they um, consolidated cloning? Because I want to clone myself as well. I feel like I would be 100% really? more efficient. Yeah, maybe. Just one. I think too many Trishas would be too hard to handle. I'm already a handful, let's be honest. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. I think that needs a, a glass of something for further debate. Um <laughs> It could just be a nightmare. It could be the best thing ever or it could be the worst. I don't know that there's much uh, grey zone on that one. Oh, oh well, we, we can flesh that out at another time over a wine, Cathy, I reckon. <laughs> so tell us about your team now because there's more than three of you for sure. Absolutely. So after hiring a therapy assistant, personal assistant slash practice manager, then therapy assistant, I hired a senior occupational therapist and they they approached me. They'd seen that I was advertising via um, just sharing my CCAD via um, an OT Australia paediatric Facebook group and actually reached out in the most beautiful message and I just read it and went, I have to have this person. I don't know who they are. I know their name and that's it and it could be a pseudonym or whatever because they're on socials and um, immediately dropped them my number and said, let's have a conversation. And that first conversation from the minute this person said, hello, I knew they were the best fit for our business. They did their PhD in exactly, you know, the heart of what we do at Planted Parenting, you know, the attachment theory and the effect of sensory processing between a caregiver and a child. And, and I was like, yes, this, this person is my person. I must have them. I will pay them whatever they need and, um, well, probably should pay them the whole world because I think that's what they deserve. But at the end of the day, this person was a great asset and continues to be a great asset to our team. I'm ridiculously blessed with my team and how quickly it's growing. Who else is on the team? I've got a play and education specialist who is also our lead therapy assistant. Uh, she is a teacher by trade, still involved in the education system um, and runs an online social platform that focuses on the early years of development and play and sensory and all of that stuff that's so important in those developmental years at the very beginning of life. Um, and I've got three therapy assistants sitting under her um, and my practice manager, who is my personal assistant, has just started her AHA qualifications this year as she wants to be able to give back to some of our clients in a, in a more tangible way than sending invoices and calling families and holding space for them when they call to inquire about services. So I'm super excited to support that aspect for that individual because 
personal growth is enormous when it comes to and job satisfaction. Um, and so, yeah, I'm always about encouraging my employees to do things that are going to enrich them, not just personally, but clinically and in a way that's going to stimulate their mind because happy workers are the best to have in the house. It's a good reminder that um, when you're building team and employing people, they're not just there as clinicians, they're there as spectacular 360-degree flawsome humans as well. Absolutely. And and I do take the time, and I'm probably not the best at it, and it's a growth area for me, but I do take the time to get to know each of my employees and hear about their visions and their dreams for their professional career as well as their personal aspirations because I think as a as a manager if you can harness those skills and encourage and cultivate them and nurture them a person feels valued and like you're sowing into them not just as a as a worker bee but as someone that's a human as well and I think that's so OT we're supposed to be holistic so let's be holistic in employment as well hey You've, um, yeah, I couldn't agree more. You've reminded me of a tool that we've used with our boardroom clients and we've also done it with our team. It's Keith Abraham's The 25 Lifetime Dreams. Do you know that tool? I'm thinking about Abraham. I'm thinking biblical because you said Abraham, so you might need to correct my tangent in my brain. <laughs> um, 25 lifetime goals, 25 lifetime dreams. I've forgotten what it is, but um, we'll put the link certainly in the show notes and I'll send the link through to you. It's 25 questions that you ask and it untraps, it untraps, it releases the 25 lifetime dreams that you have associated, the 100 lifetime dreams associated with the 25 questions. I don't think I've got any of that right, but I'll we'll get it right in the in the show notes um, as well. I could should do a quick Google, but um it's just such an interesting tool because you get asked questions that you just haven't thought of or you might think of in a more domestic moment, but they just get deleted and yeah served over with something else. 100 lifetime dreams. Oh I'm so cross now I'm gonna go and find it. But um you know, my experience as a business owner is that the business has taught me a huge amount about myself as well. Um, what have what has your business taught you? My business has taught me that don't underestimate yourself as a woman, as an individual, as a human. I mean, I like to think that I've got a big capacity and I like I like to think that I'm happy to carry a big mantle on my shoulders, but I also recognise I can't do that without my village of people, my cheerleaders in my corner, and I have rallied women and family and friends and mentors and I've invested into myself on a learning capacity through about my leadership skills and my leadership style because I think that you have never arrived at the perfect clinician you've never arrived at the perfect person or as the perfect manager and I want to keep growing I want to be better I want to seek feedback I want to have open communication with my team because I am not happy to settle, Kathy. I'm not happy to settle with an ordinary business. I'm not happy to settle with ordinary management style. And I'm definitely not happy to settle for ordinary staff. I call my team, my dream team, the Incredibles. And I don't, I don't joke about that. I actually 120% believe that my team individually and collectively are incredible. And when I lay awake at night and I'm dreaming things for my my business and I'm, crea- I'm creating vision, 
I'm actually picturing my team and I'm grinning from ear to ear because I know I have rallied people and brought them into the fold that are just right for this season and this season of growth for planted parenting. Yeah. Sometimes business growth catches up on business owners and um, the business is actually growing faster than they are personally in their personal capabilities and capacity as well. And I'm not saying that's the, the case here at all, but so often we kind of get calls that, oh my God, it's out of control. It's overwhelmed. I don't know what to do next. So on and so forth. And it's it's a pretty smart move to be investing in yourself personally and to be uncomfortable, to be comfortable with being uncomfortable as well and to go and get whatever you need at whatever stage to kind of make sure that you are growing faster than the business. Because, um, you know, I remember back in the day, I had a business that outgrew me. Um, uh, and it was, yeah, it was exhausting, absolutely exhausting. I'm very, very well aware of personal burnout as well. I do a lot of self-reflecting, a lot of self-check-in. I know how I have, I'm a yes woman, so I have the tendency to say yes to lots of opportunities because I believe in them, but I've actually become wiser in my ageing process and I have actually become more measured and considered in terms of, okay, I need to, I love that idea. I fully back it, but I need to sleep on it and see how that aligns with our vision, aligns with our direction, how I can juggle it and how I can lead it um, and how I can upskill myself in order to do that effectively and efficiently because, you know, I want to have sustainable energy as a leader. And that's something I talk about in my business forum group that I meet with monthly, that sustainable energy is essential and integral for everything that we do as directors. In the allied health business world, it's harder than you think to stay on top of everything you need to do to run a business whilst being fully present for your team and clients. If you struggle with this, you're not alone. Pretty much everybody feels this way. Some days you feel like you're crossing a decent task off just to be reminded that you then have three new tasks to take at their place. The to-do list feels like it never ends. It can be overwhelming doing it all on your own and that is why we took it upon ourselves to reach out to help you out. We have created our monthly masterclasses so that you can join and connect with others, learn bite-sized business skills, and best of all, walk away from our masterclass with tasks ticked off your list. We can guarantee that each session will provide you with at the very least five gems that you can take and put into action right there and then. And trust us, as soon as you hop off our short and sweet session, you will want to take immediate action because that is the effect that Kathy Love and these masterclasses have. Each masterclass tackles a topic that has been niggling in the back of your mind and has moved further and further down your list. However, the sooner you nip this in the bud, the sooner you will free up your time and see the results in your business. Ready to nip your business woes in the bud and start taking practical action to maximize your results this year? Join one of our monthly masterclasses today. There's a lot of thinking out there that time is your most precious resource. And I am... I challenge that. I um, actually think our personal energy is our most precious resource because that will determine how you actually use time. Um, i tell you what I did this morning. I had three hours of thinking time. Three hours, Kathy. What time did you three wake hours. up? Just curious. <laughs> I was awake at five. Um, okay. And I've just been, I've just been thinking about, well, I'm all super, super aware of my personal energy, as many people will know. Um, 
and manage it like a ninja, manage it like a ninja. And I woke up, um, sometimes I wake up at that time, sometimes I don't, and I thought, oh, my gosh, lucky me, I get I get extra time today. And I usually uh, nearly always have thinking time in the morning. I like to kind of see the sun come up and potter around, and I just took every agenda item off off the table this morning and I said, right, you may do as you please. And um, it was absolutely glorious, absolutely glorious. And just such a reminder about how valuable it is to just leave your phone somewhere. I had to find it because I had to go and pay for coffee. Um, Leave your notebook, leave your pens. I read a chapter in a book. That was all right. It was just glorious. Do you know what? I am very similar, I think. I think our energy is very similar and our practice of how we hold ourselves sounds very similar just from that, Kathy. but I also wake up early um, of my own accord. It's not an alarm clock thing. Usually it's around five in the morning. I find that if I'm not waking up earlier than the rest of the world, I'm actually not getting ahead. I'm just keeping up and that's not okay for me personally. I like to be ahead of the game. I like to have some foresight to things. I like to give it some think time. And I too woke up, but I I decided I was going to colour my hair with a supermarket box dye and I know all the hairdressers are rolling their eyes, but that's what I did because the greys were annoying me. And I sung my little heart out while I was doing it because that is the way that I centre myself. And I thought about my day ahead and I got excited and expectant for what's to come. And that's how I like to live my life, excited and expectant for what's to come. Oh, there you go. I've just got a visual of the bathroom looking like a murder scene, but I'm sure that's all good now. (laughs) No way. I clean as I go. So you wouldn't even know, apart from the box of discarded items all compacted together that I was there. So it's all intact. It's all in hand. My cleaner's coming Monday. So that's also my my block of wisdom. Outsource some of the things you hate doing. Yeah, well, we've gone full housekeeper, so um, so much more than cleaning, so much more than cleaning. Uh, tell us about how you run your business as a business owner. Parker, I, how do you run the business? How do I run the business? Great question, great question. I like to keep my hands on the tools. I know there are directors of all different shapes and sizes, Mm. but I personally like to keep my hands on the tools. I know that I am gifted with a specific skill set in what I do, and I like to keep my hand on the pulse in that respect. I like to be engaging with some of the families in our community, working with children, getting on the floor, rolling, playing, laughing, engaging. I like to be going into homes and going into schools and giving back to the community. So there is a big portion of my day, Kathy, that is on the ground so that I can actually relate to my clinicians that I have under my wing in the fold. I want to be able to go, hey, I get how hard it is to do notes. How can I make that more efficient for you? Let me work it out and see what's going to work for me and, and workshop some ideas while I'm on the ground. And I love being able to give that practical component back. Um, I've I've worked with lots of different managers over the years as an employee um, at different settings, not just um, as an OT. But I often found that um, the managers that still had their finger on the pulse in terms of doing the grunt work actually have a lot more relatability to their staff. And there there are bosses out there that don't do that and they still manage well, but for me personally, I like that element of um, of authenticity and, and being able to empathise, yeah. 
Yeah. So there's an, an element of that, and then there's an element of of kind but firm as well that I that I foster. We've got a very open line of communication with our team. There's a there's a real culture that I've cultivated in terms of being able to be authentic with each other and being gently honest and kindly honest with each other, um, and also being able to support each other you know I'm just as there to catch any team member that might be faltering um, just as anyone else on the team is just as ready to do that and so last year when COVID was really smacking small businesses around the post-COVID factor of kids being sick us all getting sick because we're out in the community again I was away a lot last year I was out of the office working from home either holding buckets for sick kids or snuffling myself away or sitting isolating because I did another positive PCR and at the end of the day I knew that my team were going to catch each other because I and I didn't have to be in the office to set that tone I didn't have to be in the room to say and directing traffic and saying let's look after each other let's rally each other let's ask after you know so and so because they're at home sick with their kid today instead of here with us at Team Connect I never have to say that, Kathy, because culturally my team reach out to each other when they're not there or they say, hey, I missed you today. And and I just hear it back from individuals that have been in hospital saying, everyone in the team messaged me while I was in hospital. And did you ask them to do that? I'm like, nah, like they started doing that on their own. Sorry if that was annoying for you and you were trying to get rest. And they're like, no, it made me feel valuable and feel part of something that was greater than myself and my circumstance. And that's how we roll. That's how we roll at Planted Parenting. What are the key ingredients, do you think, for a, a vibrant culture? Oh, you've got to be willing to do it yourself, Kathy. You've got to be willing to get down and get silly when we're having a joke as well. You can't be the stick in the mud. That's And it's so not my style. I can be very unfiltered at times, and I think that's just the way my brain is wired. But my team love that I'm up for a joke. They also know when I'm being serious and I'm delivering policies and procedures about you know mandatory child reporting. They know that that's not the time to faff around and make inappropriate comments um, that are still hateful. HR appropriate, I might add. Um, but they know, they know when I shift the tone that things are getting serious or that we're lightening the load and we're here for a joke and, you know, people are happy to joke about themselves and, and we we have a laugh together, but it, it hardly ever gets taken too far that I need to go, oh, hang on, this is, this is not appropriate, you know, or that kind of thing. I think everyone sort of holds each other in high esteem, which is another important thing. There's lots of mutual respect going around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And from a just pulling your business sort of brain uh, back into the conversation, to what extent do you enjoy the numbers and the the money and the numbers and the maybe there's a spreadsheet in your life? I don't know. Oh, look at that. Look at that. That is the age-old question, isn't it? And it's a great one because I would traditionally say I'm not a numbers girl. I care about the bottom line. Absolutely. I care about whether we're in the red or in the black. I definitely care about that. Do I have my finger on the pulse on every single expenditure of the day? No, I don't because I have a bookkeeper. Do I do I have a budget? Yes, I do. Do I follow that budget? Sometimes the bookkeeper says, Trish, we need to rein it in here, but that's okay because you didn't spend in this category this month and that's all right. We can we can rejig for this month. And so 
I've found that outsourcing my bookkeeping, having an incredible accounting firm that oversees the business projection, the business management sort of aspect of it, not the people management, but the actual vision for the financial projections, that has absolutely transformed my life. They are a group that do not belittle me as a woman for not, or as an individual for not knowing and understanding all of the terms. I am all up for learning, Kathy, but some of those terms, I'm like, I don't know, say what now? And uh, and my accountant explains it in a way that I feel like I get it, um, usually with an analogy. And I'm like, thank you for unpacking that for me. I can now run with it. And then he'll say, here you go. Here are some tools to help us for the next month or for business projections for the coming year. And where do you want to take it? And I verbally diarrhea all my zillion ideas and he looks at me like I'm crazy and then goes let's do that let's help you do that and then he's an enabler in order to work out how we can stretch the money to make that happen yeah there are bookkeepers and there are bookkeepers there are accountants and there are accountants and um I went had a phase with my first or one of my first businesses that I shifted through both quite quickly until I, and, and then I realised I actually had to interview them and they pretty much had to apply for the job. Um, and one of my uh, test questions, if you like, was um, I always uh, took big bits of paper with me or noted if they had a whiteboard, I had whiteboard pens with me. I asked them to draw stuff. I love it. My accountant draws stuff for me, Kathy. I'm a visual person. I need to see it. If you just tell me, if you tell me something, I'm just going to go, oh, that's great. And then I've forgotten it 30 seconds later. But my accountant draws me pictures and flowcharts that are simplistic, but also convey the message of the complexity of the issue. And I love that. My accountant speaks my language. They speak fluent Trish, and that's what I appreciate. And I also interviewed my accountant at a birthday party of all places and was like, yeah, you're the best fit for me. I'm dumping the other team and I'll do that right now. And I literally pulled out my phone and broke up with the other accounting firm that couldn't give two hoots, um, which just speaks volumes about what I'm seeking. I'm also seeking a connection and someone that believes in my business and backs it as well. Yeah, and is ready to roll up their sleeves and kind of get the right amount of invested um, in there as well. I think uh, a lot of business owners tolerate bookkeeping and tolerate accounting and they there's perhaps a mystery or I don't know set of beliefs out there that well this is just what accounting and bookkeeping is but when you've got a really gold class team with you it's absolute complete game game changer um and it doesn't have to break the bank either and it doesn't have to break the calendar um having good crew there are absolutely phenomenal um and yeah you know still we we come across um some business owners who are still doing their own books and it's a little bit of a pickle um and you know bookkeepers are on the planet because they're probably better at doing the books than we are as business owners so let's just just kind of fluff up their feathers and (laughs) make them happy Do you know what? My practice manager prior to just recently was actually doing the bookkeeping as well. I was trying to keep costs low, keep my overheads low as the team was growing. And I was obviously just trying to make budget and stay in the black in terms of the numbers, just trying desperately as every other small business was during COVID. But then I actually sat down with my accountant and said, hey, I see that bookkeeping is part of the package. Why am I not utilizing that? And they said, oh, you know, previously 
you know, we discussed this and you sort of said, oh, and my practice manager's happy doing it and it keeps a little bit of control and you you looked like you wanted to keep more control in-house. And so we didn't want to push you on that. We were happy to let you sit on that and we just oversaw it. But it wasn't until there was quite a, they brought to my attention that there was quite a dramatic um, misallocation of where things were being tracked that I went, and this was a long time ago now, that I said, oh, we need to change this up. We had a little bit of a shift in staffing and that's where I said, okay, you know what, you're not doing a bad job, but we're actually paying for this. We need to be maximising what we're paying for with our overheads. Like I'm going to use every little bit of that water that they're charging me for. Actually, that's drop by drop. So really that's not a good example. But in terms of service provision, if that's part of a package, I'm going to be utilising that and I'm going to want to know how I can maximise my bang for my buck. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm a big fan of using um, seasoned professionals, you know, career professionals to do the right the right job. If we think about the medical profession, we wouldn't get our knee replacement done by a cardiac surgeon. So you just, well, I wouldn't. I would not either. <laughs> so you just go and find the best people for the role. Absolutely, absolutely. And fully behind that whole concept, Cathy, because it's just like, you know, a lot of people say, well, what kind of qualifications or what are you looking for when you hire a therapy assistant? And I said, well, I'm either looking for an OT student, that's plain and simple. I want to start to help them to understand what our, what the full reach of our profession is, let alone the full reach just within the paediatric scope. Because, you know, I used to think it was just play school kind of events and it's definitely a lot more than that. I can tell you for free. Um, and so, you know, I want to be able to enrich a learning experience for a student 100%. And then I think, you know, there are different individuals that have got life skills and, and qualifications that definitely bring something to the table that's different that will actually hit the mark for certain clients that we have. And so I hire with clients in mind often going, hmm, they'd be a great fit for this child or this family or this family dynamic that's really different or um, a little bit outside of the box, or they would be able to think creatively. And I want my staff to think creatively. We're OTs. We are not prescriptive. We should be responsive. We should be embracing all facets of our skill set in order to bring that to the table to facilitate change for families. Yeah. Before we hit record, I think we did very well to remember to hit record because we were talking beforehand along this idea of uh, really how amazing OTs are and how interesting their scope is. And yet there is still a reluctance at times for OTs to really step outside the box and do OT differently. And that is my segue for you know exactly what. Tell us a bit about the lady in red, Trisha's air pumping in front of me. What's the lady in red? The lady in red is an in-home behaviour support program and I don't want it to be mistaken for positive behaviour support or a behaviour support plan. It is very, very different to that. Um, maybe to cast your minds as listeners into the space of super nanny style, but with the infusion of OT, with the infusion of a paediatric OT that is well-versed in understanding that sensory preferences affect attachment, affect, um, you know, and trauma feed into our way that we attach with caregivers and behaviour. 
And that's what the lady in red is. I come into a home when parents ask for it. And you know that when parents come to you and say, I need help, they're in a very vulnerable place to even ask for that. So I feel very honoured to even be invited into a personal space like somebody's home to see what family life realistically looks for them. I spend some time observing how things go in terms of engagement between parents and all of their children, Um, parents of all different shapes and sizes, families of all different shapes and sizes. And then I step in and I model what I believe would be the best way to approach. Um, And it's utilising lots of those concepts like the circle of security and like positive parenting and being intentional about how we're engaging with our children, not just responding instinctively in a moment and potentially doing more harm than good. And so trying to foster, you know, holistic attachment between parents and children the whole time. And then once I've done a bit of modelling, I step back and say, now it's your turn to the parents. And I get them to try and emulate what I've been doing for that last little bit of time in the household. And I'm just like a little cheerleader in the corner, Kathy, just quietly whispering, yeah, you did that great. Or, hey, maybe try this next time. Or I think they were really seeking a little bit more connection at that point or affirmation about their feelings. And then the parents tweak and we tweak. And then I leave them to go and do family life. And if they need me to pop back in in a fortnight's time or a few days' time or whatever the case may be to retweak some of the strategies if things go a little bit array or they've forgotten some things, then I pop back in. But I like to think of myself a little bit like Mary Poppins with my red rolly bag. I come on in with my toolkit. I workshop with a family what's going to be right for them. And then I disappear off into the wind as soon as they don't need me. And that's my whole concept with planted parenting. It shouldn't be a medical model. It shouldn't be let's see you every fortnight from here till kingdom come because you have funding for that. I believe that family should be about family, not about all of the medical practitioners and clinicians you can have in your life because you've got money for it. I think uh, a functional family revolves around connection with each other, not having us popping in and popping out, going to appointments every week times a thousand. It should be about authenticity and being and connecting. And so that's what I try and foster at Planted Parenting. But the lady in red is a little bit like a Mary Poppins experience. A little side hustle. Oh, yeah. And you know what? I'm I'm so abundantly excited about the way that that can be utilised for a family. I've done a few sessions already this year and families are just so excited that their home life the dynamic in the home has shifted to a more positive one, which is something, you know, I say that in my promotional videos about um, about what we do at Planted Parenting in Our Heart, that I actually am so ridiculously passionate about the tone in people's homes being shifted to a more positive one and it not just affecting the generation here and now, but it will affect how those children then parent their children in the future and how their children will parent their children. It's about generational impact for me and For me, if I can step into one home and make a positive difference, I know that that's going to transform and transfer to the generations to come. And that excites me, Kathy. That excites me to the bone. Oh, so good. So uh, we've got a couple of minutes left. What... um, What's on the... uh, What's on the whiteboard planning-wise for the business in the next 18 months? In the next 18 months, we're seeking to grow clinically in terms of our clinician load. Um, Obviously, every business is wanting to do that. I've got a waiting list of 
let's just humbly say, a number of individuals that won't go to another business because they really value the approach that we take at Planted Parenting. And I've been intentional about doing things a little bit differently to other private practices. And at the start, that made me poo my pants in fear a lot of the time and feel quite nervous. But you know what? I am a big believer in backing myself and backing my vision and backing the direction that I'm headed. And I like being different. I know that sometimes at times I wish I was just like everybody else so that I could cry in the corner with everybody else that has the same similar issues. But at the end of the day, I feel like the mantle on my life is quite a big one and it has a lot of responsibility and it has a lot of things that involve being different and doing things a bit unusually, um, obviously still in line with evidence, etc. But you know what? With evidence, Kathy, there's the 90% that the study says that it works for, but the 10% that it didn't work for, and I'm about the 10%. If it didn't work for the 10% and that person falls into the 10%, I'm going to get creative to work out what is going to work for that family. And I'm dedicated to that. I will research it to no end. It becomes my hyper-focus and I'm not embarrassed to say it. Mm, Practice-based evidence. Yep, absolutely. Abs- I love that, Kathy. I'm going to use that. Mm, That's as old as the hills. Like ah. we used to talk about that in our business 20 years ago, practice-based evidence. And evidence, you can just catch up. <laughs> Well, you know what? I just don't think I ever gave it a name. As with a lot of the things, you know, I'm doing circle of security facilitator training this week, and I was like, I feel like a bloody genius. This is the this is the exactly what I've been doing with clients. I just didn't call it that. I called it this. Really, I just called it the Trish method, Kathy. To be honest, that's not very original at all, is it? It's a bit boring, but circle of security sounds fancy. Uh, as long as you own the uh, online real estate for it. It'll work. It'll work. That's true. That's true. Credit where credit is due. That is a brilliant program. I utilize a lot of other programs too that work for different families. And then I go a bit creative for the families it doesn't work for and we work out what works for them. And that's what OTs should be doing, thinking laterally, thinking vertically, thinking horizontally and everything in between. Speaking of thinking, while I was listening, I also remembered properly what I was rambling on about half an hour ago it's the 100 lifetime goals by okay awesome I hope you're going to drop that in the link below Kathy because I'm definitely going to be tapping into that in my spare time I might even put it in the chat box for you before we uh before we click off so thank you thank you so much for uh coming in and brightening up people's uh ears with your story to date and good times ahead for sure I am excited, Kathy. You know what? Sometimes big things scare people, but you know what? I embrace it. Let's do it. This life is too short to do ordinary and pedestrian. That's for sure. Couldn't agree more. And fear is a good thing. It's how you how you work with it. A hundred percent. And if you've got the right people in your corner, they're going to coach you through that fear and encourage you to step into the unknown because the unknown is where we grow and where we stretch ourselves. And no one wants to be the same person they were yesterday. We can always improve. Hey. Yeah, love it. All righty. We'll hear more about your adventure. I think we should uh, check back in uh, down the track. Love it. Love it. Can't wait, Kathy. Thanks for having me. So exciting. Lovely chatting as always. Pleasure, pleasure, pleasure. Thanks, Trish. No worries. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. For the show notes and other resources, our webinar replays, they're all available over on naker.com.au. And if you're loving what you're listening to, please subscribe. We don't want you to miss out on a single thing. And if you want others to get the same benefit that you've had from listening into these episodes, please share this episode and any of the others 
forward to any of your other allied health business colleagues and we are totally here for you don't forget for a moment that you can jump on in and book that power call and uh, we can see how we can help you get the best of business done looking forward to seeing you there